I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A Living History Production. I'm Peter Hart. And I'm Gary Bain. And together we're Pete and Gary's Military History Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm Peter Hart and with me is Gary Bain. And we've got sad news for our listeners, haven't we, Gary? Uh, yeah, this is uh, the first podcast that we've done since uh, Fred passed away, unfortunately. Yes, so we'll miss, we'll miss lots of things about Fred. His cheery character, his effervescent personality. Yes, so um, you've stepped in and you're doing the farts today. Aren't yes, you, I'm doing the farting today. He'll <laughs> yeah. be um, missed. He'll be missed. He was a lovely dog. Right. Well, but what is the topic of our, uh, uh, it's a, well, almost a Fred-like personality we're doing today, aren't we? Gruff, bad-tempered, aggressive. <laughs> Who is it? That's pretty much everybody we do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, today, it's uh, uh, Gebhard von Blücher. Gebhard von Blücher. Why are we doing Blücher? Well, we when we did the, the Waterloo podcast some time ago now, uh, we we were quite taken with him and uh, the performance of the Prussians. Uh, so we thought that he might be an interesting character. And so we decided to, to delve in a little bit deeper. Uh, having decided to do that, we thought we'd just scratch the surface today. <laughs> scratch the surface. So we're doing the, the, his early career up to about eight. 1813, and, and we'll do the rest uh, in <laughs> when we get round well, to it. Well, in 1813, he was about 127, wasn't he? Yeah, because when was he born? He uh, born on the 16th of December, 1742, in the port, Baltic port, of Rostock, which was where? It was in the uh, Duchy of Mecklenburg-Schwerin. That's one of the North German Confederation states, isn't it? Or German Confederation. Yeah, I mean, we had to look it up. Uh, it, it's sort of below Sweden on the south side of the Baltic. It's definitely what we'd call Germany now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're quite right. It was a, so- a sovereign member state of the uh, German Federation, which, uh, uh, as you well know... Uh, no, uh, I didn't. No. <laughs> uh, anyway, who was his daddy? Well, his father was Ooh. Christian von Blücher, and he was a retired army captain of noble origins. Now, You're of noble origins, aren't you? The Bain family go back centuries. Yeah, I'm not sure it's noble, but um, <laughs> they were uh, owned, they owned land in northern Germany, so they, they were minor landed gentry, I think. Oh, like it. David Barron, our uh, And they've done that since at least the 13th century. His mum, Dorothea von Zulau. 
Uh, also, minor landed gentry of Mecklenburg. Um, now, uh, Blucher had five brothers. How did they do? What did they do in life, Gary? Well, surprisingly, they all pursued military careers, although not to any great success, as most of them seem to have been killed or wounded fighting for various forces against a, a miscellany of enemies. Uh, right. Uh, now, now uh, so what, what, what was Blucher like as he was growing up? Uh, studious, hardworking, intelligent? Well, none of those things. He was certainly no student. Uh, he evaded studies to concentrate on hunting, shooting and fishing. Yes. 1757, he begins his military career about the age of 15. That's uh, pretty top maths there by me, I think. Uh, maths with Pete and Gary. <laughs> he joins the Swedish Army. No, Gary, Swedish Army. And he joins the Svenska Hussar Regiment as a cornet. So, so sort of a nice cream. <laughs> I like a cornet. You do. I like a cornet as well. Now, at the time, Mecklenburg was on the side of Sweden in the Seven Years' War, uh, and hence facing up against Prussia, which was a lot of what we now call Poland. I get very confused. Prussia seems to be a movable feast. Sometimes it's quite small. Sometimes it's very Yeah, large. it's all really complicated, so we'll just glide past <laughs> that. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Now, Blücher, he took part in the Pomeranian campaign of 1760, where Prussian hussars managed to capture him in a skirmish when uh, Blücher was cut off and his horse was wounded. Now, he makes a big impression that this is something, this is, I mean, this is weird for us, for a, a modern perspective. He makes such a big impression on the colonel of the, the Prussian regiment, Wilhelm Sebastian von Belling, uh, who apparently was a distant relative. I know nothing about that. Uh, he was so impressed, he, 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 he inveigled him into joining his actual regiment. Um, Blucher, though, is is honourable. Well, honourable whilst joining the enemy, <laughs> I think. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he insisted in formally resigning from his old Swedish, un Swedish unit. Swedish? Swedish. It's, it <laughs> was that, like Swedish, but it was next door. It's not, it's not the sort of police force. No, and he insisted he was exchanged when a Swedish prisoner was released in his stead. And, and he also asked for his father's permission. So this took a while, and he eventually joins the Death's Head Hussars, <laughs> what a fine name of a regiment. Uh, round about September 1760. What do you think turned his head most? What do you think most attracted him to this fine new regiment, Harry? Well, you seem to think that his head was turned by the splendid uniform. <laughs> what was it like, Pete? <laughs> well, buff covered, buff coloured trousers, black over trousers edged in green, the black dolman with cuffs of black edge green, a lot of black edge green, uh, velvet, so yeah, black edge velvet, ooh, lovely, loads of yellow buttons and green braids lightly tossed over the shoulder. They have a, a black pelisse trimmed with more black fur and yet more, more, more yellow buttons and and green braids oh it sounds gorgeous and then they have a black milton head i don't know what a milton headdress is but it's a headdressy thing i would imagine and it's decorated with cords tassels and best of all can you guess what else it's uh, uh, decorated with being a their name is a bit of a clue go on guess gary uh a skeleton with a scythe complete with a motto vincere Aft more or victory or death. Now you seem to have spent rather a lot of time researching the uniform. Yeah, it, it sounded really great. Also, I, uh, my uh, my Facebook avatar is uh, Mackinson, who seems to be in a similar regiment. He's got a death head, um, yeah. as worn to his sixth, uh, sixth his daughter's sixth birthday, I believe. That's when that photograph was taken. Now Colonel von Belling proved a good influence on Blucher, and the old campaigner became his mentor. Uh, with his strange mixture of piety and ferocity. 
What does that remind you of? Well, that reminds me of you and me. Hi, I'm Piety. And I'm Ferocity. And together we're... Piety and Ferocity. Podcast. (laughs) That's a new one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Now, uh, so what does Belling... Belling is a good officer. What does he prioritise? What's most important to him? He prioritised the training and discipline of every man in his regiment, using his example and personality to curb Blucher's... um, how can we put this? Wilder traits? I wish I had a wilder trait. Now, this is what Ensign Gerhard Blücher of the Death's Head Hussars said at the time. From that time on, the unforgettable Belling was a true father to me and loved me so unconditionally that it took the real effort of youthful escapades to provoke his anger. So he seems to have the same voice as Ron Richthoff and a couple of hundred years later. <laughs> I, I find that quite interesting, the youthful escapades to ah. provoke his own. I think he had a, a few attempts to do so. <laughs> he certainly did. What, what, what were his hobbies? Can, can you get... Well, actually, they were pretty well our hobbies, well, bar one, when we were young. What, were, what hobbies did he have? Um, drinking, womanising... Unsuccessfully. ...and duelling. I think we're probably bar two there, okay. not just bar one. Drinking. I don't I don't remember duelling with anyone. No, I don't. And I, I was very ineffective at womanising, so uh, drinking. <laughs> now, that was all good fun to him. Yeah. Um, now, he was a Hussar officer, and he gets a lot of experience. They're like cavalry uh, during the later battles of the Seven Years. We have to glide. He's got such a career. We have to glide over bits. Uh, but he, he lead, uh, in, in the Seven Years' War, he leads partisan raids uh, in operations against the Austrians. Once he captures 500 prisoners, uh, he fought in the Battle of Freiburg, 29th of October, 1762. And there he was wounded for one of many wounds. What happens this time? Well, a cannonball smashed through a building and it sent a jagged splinter through his foot. Uh, would that hurt, do you think? Yes, that would hurt quite a lot. Now, shortly afterwards, the war ended in February 1763. Now, this time, uh, well, then, Blucher's regiment, the Death Sedars, are billeted in Prussian Pomerania. The war um, had to end in 1763, didn't it? Because of the name. It was called the Seven Years' War. <laughs> <laughs> that would be when. <laughs> so it had to start. When did it start going? Well, seven years earlier. Uh, now, Joe, he gets steadily promoted. He's promoted to captain eventually. Um, do you think in what? What do you think happens in peacetime to the uh, the good influence of uh, Mister uh, Mister Belling, as I will call him? Colonel well, Belling. I think the old saying: the devil finds work for idle hands, and Blucher's hands were relatively idle. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> so, what does he do? Give us a quote. Well, this is what he himself says: In my youth, I cared for nothing except having fun. Instead of studying, I gambled, drank, caroused with the ladies, hunted and pulled hilarious pranks on my friends. That is why I now know nothing. Indeed, otherwise I would be a very different chap. Well, I think that applied. That It's all starting to sound a bit like us. We quite like what we term hilarious pranks, which other people say is just stupidity. And childish, yeah. Childish, yeah. What I like about that quote, he clearly knows himself. <laughs> he clearly understands himself. But can't do anything about it. No. <laughs> now, as he the suggests... Breaking stay, the breaking strain of a Kit Kat. <laughs> as he suggests, he was prone to excesses of all kinds, <laughs> but managed to avoid much punishment as his cheery personality made him a popular officer. Yeah, I wonder what he would have done if he'd bitten his ear. 
He'd have bitten me back, I think. <laughs> now, however, his impulsive nature led him into some gross misjudgments during the Polish guerrilla-style uprisings in 1772. Well, this is a serious business, actually, because some of his men have been murdered and their bodies mutilated. And Blucher, he doesn't have, a, he doesn't seem to have any evidence, but he was convinced that the local uh, priest uh, was was to blame. Uh, so what does he do? I mean, this is sh- actually it's quite shocking. There's no two ways. About well, he it. held a, a mock trial and he condemned the hapless priest to death. A grave was dug, the priest blindfolded, and the firing squad was assembled and fired. But their rifles had no lead bullets. Blanks then. So ooh, was that a bit scary? <laughs> well, the priest collapsed in a dead faint, and that's not really surprising, is no, it? It isn't. Now, what does the priest do afterwards? I've got an inkling that this is going to cause trouble. Well, afterwards, he complained his health had been ruined and he launched a petition for redress, supported by local Polish officials, to Frederick the Gate. The Gate? Gate? Frederick the Great, (laughs) who was the King of Prussia. I prefer Frederick the Gate. (laughs) Now, as this incident was just one of many such incidents, with damaging accusations of extortion and general dishonesty, I put my teeth in. Uh, (laughs) Levelled at the regiment. They're levelled at the death's heads bazaars, aren't they? Frederick, who was never the best tempered of men, he recalled Belling and made a mental note that the regiment was not to be trusted. Now, th- there's lots of fallout for this, uh, and, and one of the parts is that Blucher's passed over from promotion to, to major. That reminds me of Gordon Corrigan, who was one of the most famous passed over majors I ever remember. A uh, great, great man for great historian. Um, well, what does, how does Blucher react to this, uh, to this passing over? Well, he objects bitterly, and, and actually, unfortunately, he pens a rather stupid letter of resignation to, um, uh, Frederick, who was known to be a bad-tempered monarch, I think that's putting it mildly, yeah, very mildly. So, what does what does Captain Blucher say? Permit me, with all due submission, to apprise your Majesty how insupportable it is for me to see myself superseded by an officer who has no other essential merit whatever to boast of, other than being the son of the Margrave of Schwedt. Your Majesty will therefore be graciously pleased to permit me to resign sooner than expose myself to the most acute sensations during every hour of my life. Mm. What do you reckon the king does? Well, I'll tell you what he does. Frederick the Great uh, says this. Captain von Blucher has leave to resign and may go to the devil as soon as he pleases. Cornish. Cornish pyro was he, Frederick <laughs> the Great. <laughs> oh dear. I thought you'd like that flashback. <laughs> oh dear. Now, not just that, but Blucher ended up dishonourably discharged aged 30 in February 1773. It's, it's, that means he's concerned. He is a civilian, Gary. For 14 years, and he becomes a farmer. Uh, Worst of all, he's not allowed to keep his fancy uniform. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, how'd he take that then? He didn't take it well at all, and he endlessly petitions uh, Frederick the Great, or Gate. Uh, And uh, how do you think Frederick responds? Well, he responds exactly as you expect. So you've got you're going to read one of his many, many letters. Gerhard Blucher. No rank. No rank. X. Death's head, Hussars. 
Because of the bravery I displayed at every opportunity during the Seven Years' War, I enjoyed the favour of my commanders, the confidence of the staff officers, and the affection of my comrades and subordinates. On every occasion, I showed my zeal for the service. I looked for opportunities and acted ambitiously. My regiment can testify to this. I served out of ambition and loyalty. None will surpass me in eagerness and bravery. In the company of two of my brothers, I, as a foreigner, devoted myself to your Royal Highness's service. Those two companions lost their lives on the battlefield as able officers. I am the unfortunate survivor of this little group. My fate has made me jealous of my brothers. Allow me, your Royal Majesty, to end my days the same way my brothers did in your service. If it pleases your Royal Majesty... To have me serve only during a time of war, please bestow on me the rank of major and allow me to wear the uniform of the cavalry. Ah, the cavalry, that uniform. Uh, oh, and uh, also promote me. Oh, yeah. Now, Frederick uh, replies, and I love that, that is nothing. Hmm. I mean, I just let Frederick the Great come. We might do a podcast of Frederick the Great one. No, he replies in similar vein to all of Blucher's yeah. desperate and indeed pathetic. He is. It's that that letter comes across as a little bit pathetic and whiny, but um, he's on his knees, isn't he? He is. Now it's only on Frederick's death and replacement by King Frederick William II in 1786 that Blucher could return to the army. So what does he come back as? Well, he's reinstated as a major and squadron commander in his old regiment, which is now called the Red Hussars. In March 1887. Now. I'm just working this out, uh, and I'm not sure I've worked it out. I don't think that's the right date, 1887. I think that's 1787. <laughs> yeah. oh, Sorry about that. I may have led you into something. Like but <laughs> he was not 144 no, years old. No, he was old. 44 <laughs> years old, the age that most soldiers consider retirement. What, what year did? What, where, how old were you when you retired from the army? 21, 22, 23, <laughs> 24, 25, and 26. Depends on what you call retirement. <laughs> um, so, it, but has it, it, only just started, hasn't he? Fabulous. Now we're going to have to glide over the next bit. Uh, so, what happens? What? To, give, give me a review of the next bit and, and how his career is progressing before we we stop for a bit. Well, he took part in the expedition to the Netherlands in what 1787. What do you know about that? Uh, that it was uh, in the Netherlands and it was in <laughs> 1787. And the next year, he's promoted to Lieutenant Colonel. So doing well. Yes. In 1789, he received Prussia's highest military order, the Pour le Merite. Doing better. And his, uh, that's what Richthofen got as well. So that, I see. Well, he wouldn't be... have got that for nothing, would no, he? Let's face it. 1790, promoted to full Colonel. Doing well. Now, what then? Then, what happens then? Then the big match starts. Da, 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 da. What happens? In 1792, Prussia and Austria declared their support for King Louis the Seventeenth of France, isolated and doomed, doomed in revolutionary France. Now, these revolu- the, the revolutionary wars, as such, begin when France declares war uh, on Austria April 1792, and Frederick William II backs Austria. Uh, Europe, so, so is it war? It's a war with the war of the first coalition, so called. We're we're not pretending to be experts on any of this, are we? Uh, but it's basically Great yes. Britain, the Nether. You're pretending to be an expert, right? Who is it then? Well, it's Great Britain, the Netherlands, Spain, Naples, and Portugal all joining the Allies. Oh, fighting France. Fight. Well, everybody fights France eventually. Yeah. So uh, now, uh, so at first. 
he wants a bit more desperate entreaties. Oh, 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 help, let me do it. But is not involved uh, until his first real command. This is the 2nd Battalion of the Red Hussars. Uh, they're cavalry, remember, but that's the, the terminology. They're deployed to the Netherlands in February 1793. Uh, now, during the early phase of the things, the Allies are doing well until 1794. We'll come to that. Um, but uh, the French, uh, what have the French done that means they're a dangerous opponent against such a, a, a such a, a, a mass of allies? What do they do? It's quite new, really, isn't it? The French, they'd launched a levy en masse. So what's that? Well, they fight with a single purpose. The Allies had national self-interest at the heart of everything they did. And in the absence of that, the commanders were torn apart by personal ambition and jealousy. So the, the French have launched basically conscription. Yeah. Everybody's called up that can walk, basically. Well, that's an exaggeration, but a, a mass conscription, and then they're led with a single purpose. But the Allies are, are fractured. That's that's just what you've said, actually. I don't well, know because I they're Allies. Yeah. You know, they have different uh, objectives, different motivations. That's right. Now, however, in 1793 and 1794, Blücher distinguished himself in cavalry actions against the French... In the Netherlands, he was involved in numerous skirmishes and raids, and uh, we're going to just describe a couple of incident incidents that give the flavour of the man, the, gr- the growing soldier, so to speak. Well, firstly, there's an occasion when the Prussian camp's being harassed before dawn by French voltigeurs. That's their light infantry. Uh, they're firing from concealment, hedges, bushes, trees, uh, and they're causing. Severe cas well casualties. No, I doubt if they were severe actually. About what uh, several casualties. Now Blucher is ordered to organise an ambush. So what does he do? And we've got a date for this, haven't we? Yeah, on the twenty fifth of July, seventeen ninety three. Having been informed that the French planned to ambush one of the Prussian patrols around the camp, he resolved to strike first. What does he do? Well, around about. O three hundred, three o'clock in the morning, as the French began to move, a few Prussian hussars pushed into the high road and galloped away as if retreating. Another party, which seemed to be on patrol, also seemed to withdraw as if afraid of superior numbers. Now, what's he trying to do? He's trying to bluff. He's trying to draw them in, is he? He is, and, and the French are completely deceived by this ploy, and throwing caution to the winds, they pursue. Now they run straight into the a preset Prussian ambush, and it, it absolutely cuts them down. They 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 suffer bad casualties, and and Blucher takes over a hundred prisoners. It's very very good. It's a good performance. It's it's the sort of incident that that marks you out as a, a coming man, so to speak. Now uh, in March 1794, his achievements are recognised, uh, and he's made commander of the whole of the Red Hussar Regiment after his predecessor retired. He, well. Uh, Obviously, so to speak. Um, now, uh, there's another great example of his abilities uh, that occurs on 28th of May, 1794, near Kerweiler in the Faltz. Uh, tell me about that. Where was it? Faltz. Where was it? Faltz. Oh, right. Well, how would you say that? Kerweiler. Oh, Kerweiler. <laughs> oh, I thought you were arguing about Faltz. <laughs> that was the one I was confident because it's a Faltz uh, aircraft. Now, the French had advanced with two large bodies of cavalry supported Ooh. by infantry and artillery towards Kierweiler. After reconnoitring the, reconnoitring <laughs> the situation... <laughs> that, that'll teach you! <laughs> Blucher realised he was outnumbered and outgunned, so he resolved to try another tactic. Taking advantage of what he recognised was the slightly exposed position of the French right column. 
So he'd still attack. Well, he uses similar tactics in one sense. He pretends his hussars are retreating, when really he's amassed no less than four squadron of hussars behind a hill, which which it conceals their presence. And he entices the French forward. Uh, what does he do then? Well, he then charges out to hit the flank of the first French columns approaching Kierweiler. The column breaks, leaving valuable guns to be captured, and Blücher led a vigorous pursuit. Charge! Charge! Da, 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 da. Uh, what happens then? Well, he then manoeuvres to attack the right flank of the second French column. Now, this time, he's, he's countered by a strong force of French dragoons, which seem to outnumber him. Um, but he, he, he again comes... He's not to be thwarted. He comes up with another cunning plan. I like, And I want people to notice... They are cunning plans, aren't they? This is not a stupid officer. Uh, what does he do this time? Well, he ordered detached parties to gallop down the enemy's line to skirmish continually firing their pistols at the French cavalry. Now, that was to cause confusion and disorder. So what does it happens? What happens? Well, the French uh, a dragoon officer thought his position was too exposed to these um, teasing attacks and ordered his soldiers to retire. Now, that's Blucher's moment, isn't he? He, he charges forward. Uh, he got a strong body of cavalry he'd kept in reserve. They charge forward. Da -da -da -da, charge! and they catch the, the French dragoons just as they're wheeling round uh, and they, he breaks them to pieces. More than 200 are killed and 100 taken prisoner. Uh, and what does uh, Colonel Gerhard Blücher say of the Red Hussars say of this, well, triumph? The large number of those fleeing were stuffed in the narrow lanes of the village where occurred a bloody massacre and therefore the enemy's losses were very great before he could reach the exit of the village and escape under protection of his artillery. With mere cavalry, we won a decisive battle over an entire enemy corps. The battlefield was covered with dead Frenchmen, while the loss on our side was slight. Now, he's rewarded again. That's a, another great achievement. He's promoted to uh, Major General, uh, although he stays in the same cavalry role. Now, th this is against the backdrop. What did we say? In 1794, actually, you can have the odd success, but nevertheless, the French, the French are winning. Uh, and the Allies are driven out of the Low Countries, uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, and they, they drive them back right across the Rhine, uh, the Prussians, well, the Allies. Um, so, so what, what's happening? There's battle after battle, um, and 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 we're going to have another quote. That this is a, a Blucher's account of the third battle of Kaiserlautern, uh, where again he shows fantastic initiative. I think. Um, what, what's he done? He'd set his cavalry searching through the forest, and and he's seeking out the French, who at this point locally there's things going backwards and forwards all over the place. But this time the French are retreating, and and he's using bugle calls to coordinate his cavalry movements as they pass through the forest. And what does Major General Gerhard Blucher say, Gary? A real battle took place. It was not long before we heard a great cry to our right. Everything rushed there, and in a moment, 300 infantry discovered they were cut down or taken captive. Now everything unfolded in quick succession. Here and there, dense clusters of enemy infantry were attacked to the middle of the forest and overwhelmed. Many a combat was fought, when I again heard an unusually loud noise. Soon after, I received the message that they discovered a few ordered battalions slowly withdrawing through the woods, and they would probably offer vigorous resistance. We rushed to the area, and I soon heard the voice of my brave Captain Sidov, who called our people together and encouraged them. 
I galloped to him and saw the infantry, which consisted of at least 600 men, that had moved behind a strong abatis. Noticing us, they started briskly firing at us. Captain Sidoff was shot through the arm. Anticipating losing a lot of men unless we manoeuvred the infantry out of the abatis, I moved to my left. This had the desired effect. The enemy resumed his march and wanted to continue his retreat, but near Hohennechen had to pass through a small meadow some 500 paces long before he could return to the undergrowth. To me, this appeared to be the place where we could punish him. However, we were very weak because many of our men remained dispersed in the woods. I had the rally blown frequently, and soon several hussars and dragoons came galloping to us. After I assembled 80 men, I ordered the advance at the very moment the enemy infantry started crossing the meadow. I called to our people to attack with good spirits, because the French muskets had gotten wet and would not do much to us. Now... This is, uh, the French are absolutely slaughtered. Uh, This is a momentary setback to them. Uh, Of the 7,000 Blucas facing, some 3,000 were killed or wounded and 4,000 became prisoners. That's a destruction of that that group. However, this is just one victory. What does it change? What does it change, Gary? Nothing. And soon they're on the retreat again. The Prussians, yeah. The Allies are falling back. The war isn't going well. And and in 1795, they're ready for peace. And that's secured by the Treaty of Basel as in faulty. Now at this point, we'll take a short break where we may or may not hear from our sponsors. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Now, Blucher, he's identified disunity amongst the Allies as the cause of their defeat and was particularly scathing of the mistakes made by the British and the Austrians. Is he just blaming his allies there? Because, uh, you know, British are always easy to blame because we're treacherous, but what about... Uh, well, he's probably... He's, yeah, I mean, they, yes, there's probably a bit of that. I mean, he he did believe that the peace wouldn't endure. Uh, well, but, he's wrong, isn't he? Yeah, uh, but Prussian neutrality, that would last some 10 years. Now, where are we in Blucher's... Uh, uh, where, where his military career? Where is he? I mean, I see he's a cavalry leader at this time. What, what's he got? Well, he'd, he'd gained much valuable experience as an aggressive, brave, and determined cavalry commander, and uh, occasionally deploying an additional couple of battalions and batteries. But he'd not yet held a major command. I would say. And, and I'm not an expert, but from reading, I read a couple of the biographies, and we'll talk about that at the end of the second uh, uh, podcast about Blucher. Uh, he's gained experience, but I wouldn't say he's matured yet. And what do you think he is at heart? He's, he's, he's not a he's not a general, really, is he? What is he at heart? Well, he's still a a young hussar leading a, a self destructive lifestyle laced with heavy drinking and gambling but by this time he's in his 50s and it was occasionally beginning to catch up with him so how does that show itself well he had bouts of serious illness and he also had black dogs Ooh, like uh, Churchill. quite serious depression yeah um now um He's got very, he's got a variety of military duties during this uh, truce, uh, but he's also got responsibilities as a landowner. You know, he's, so he's kept busy enough, I suppose. Um, what do you think he wants? What's he looking for? Well, he still craved promotion and recognition of his services, but the next big step to his future wouldn't come in until eighteen hundred and one, when he was made a lieutenant general. So, quite old, really. Uh, yeah. Um, what what's happening now? Prussia they've got they've gained some lands for, because Napoleon manoeuvres between the Allies, doesn't he? So he tries to, to to put them against each other by giving bits of land to to various things. But Blucher still craves revenge, and whenever there was uh, diplomatic di- difficulties with the French or with other people, or but or whenever Napoleon oversteps his mark, Blucher champs at the bit. What does Blucher say? Major General Gerhard well, Blucher. General. I was trying oh, to yeah, sorry. that. Lieutenant General. He's been promoted. Yeah, but he might. I, I don't know when he said this. That's why I've got. I'm a bit. I was a bit hesitant about this. I'm not quite sure. It's definitely Gerhard Blucher. Let's settle on that. For four weeks, I have stood with my foot in the saddle, but cannot mount. We must be determined to give a pounding. The French must learn that in the north. There are still Germans who will punish them. And now he's uh, he's also thinking about what it what, what the Prussian army is and what it should be, isn't he? Uh, and 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 how, how does he encapsulate his thoughts or his his, his early thoughts anyway? Well, he, he in eighteen hundred and five he he uh, has a treatise 
which was called the Thoughts Over the Formation of a Prussian National Army. And he called for compulsory military service. That's, is that based on the friendship? Yeah, it? A, a shorter length of service and improved paying conditions for the soldiers. Now, some reforms were introduced, but little progress was achieved. So there, there's, uh, there's just some ideas, but they're not really being carried out. Uh, what do you think his overall position is as to regards the French during this truce? Well, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that he was one of the leaders of the war party bombarding King Frederick William III Ooh, and his officials. They've with, changed again. With letters demanding action against the French. Well, these and kings this, come and go, don't they? They do. And this is one of the letters by Lieutenant General Gerhard Blücher. I believe the French have dishonest intentions against us. The king is the only righteous power who can swim against the currents. Through friendship wrapped in deceit or force, whatever the circumstances offer, this dyke will rupture. We are still full of strength, and it would be faint-heartedness if we believed that we could not stand up to these windbags. Our army is good, and there is a good mood among it. And even if we have a few who are pig-headed, the same had happened under Frederick II. This, however, should not stop us from looking the enemy in his face and beating him. The latter will happen as sure as I am alive. But it is now urgent that we make up our mind for this vendetta. United with Saxony and Hesse, the French cannot conquer us. If we need money, England will give it to us. If the war does not occur, then in a few years it would be very hard for us to face this colossus. I would be very happy to start the dance. The dance of death, Gary. Now, interestingly, that was a similar view, wasn't it, in the German um, uh, leadership prior to the Great War, that uh, if, it, if it didn't happen then, they wouldn't be in a position to... to uh, um, to win a few years later. That's yeah. very interesting. Russia was strengthening herself and, and the French as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Now, um, so what You're not happens? interested at all, are you, really? I am interested, Gary. I'm always interested in your uh, insights. Yes. Now, on the 8th of August, 1806, after a series of disputes, war with France broke out again. I can imagine how happy Blücher was. Yeah. What, what, what appointments he given? Well, he served as General of the Cavalry, advance guard, in the disastrous campaign that ensued. You say disastrous? So what's disastrous about it? Well, a shambolic mo uh, mobilisation failed to concentrate the Prussian forces. And to make matters worse, they advanced into central Germany to confront the French, but with their ten divisions spread out in three separate armies. I would say that's a recipe for defeat in detail. Uh, they can pick on one and then destroy the, destroy that and then concentrate on the second. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, who are they facing? Anybody good? No, just Napoleon. Oh, he fought a brilliant campaign, seeking to outflank the exposed Prussian left flank. Now, Blücher, uh, he's in charge of the advance guard uh, of under the main army, and there's a double battle of Jena. Is it Jena? Yeah, Jena, Jena and Auerstedt, which occurs on the 14th of October 1806, and Blücher is in the Auerstedt. Auerstedt. <laughs> Part of it. Um, he, how does he perform here? It's not his best day, is it? No, he led three failed charges of the Prussian cavalry against the French squares. Um, and undaunted, he, he, he tries once more. And this is what Lieutenant General Gerhard Blücher says. When I tried again to get the cavalry forward, my horse was shot. As I fell, everything was turned upside down. 
I do like that quote. Now, he grabs a bugler's horse. I wonder if the bugler was on it. Off! <laughs> but he manages to escape without being captured or killed. Well, obviously, he escaped. Uh, uh, now, what does he say then? I hurried to the village behind me. To halt the fleeing cavalry, I grabbed the standard and placed myself on the dike in the village, facing the fugitives, but all in vain. To the left and right they flew by me. Everyone shouted, Stop! But no one listened. I called to the officers to look around. There was nothing of the enemy behind them, but the tide carried everything and the cavalry fled to the woods. Now, why am I critical? Why, not I, because it doesn't matter what I think about uh, this, really, but what, why are people critical of Blücher's performance in this battle? Well, he wasted the cavalry by attacking too soon and in isolation against indomitable and impervious French squares. Any flank to uncover? No. Who else do we know finished up doing the same? Uh, Marshal Ney. Yeah. Another insight, Gary. Now, during the retreat of the broken Prussian armies, Blücher was given command of the rearguard corps. That's a thankless task, I'd have thought. (laughs) I would have thought so. On the retreat via the Lower Elbe to Lübeck, he was attacked from all sides by the French. Uh, 18th of October, uh, sorry, 16th of October, he encounters French troops under General Klein near Grusen. Now, I particularly like this. Uh, and this is where I think he, he, he reminds me a bit of you, the ultimate negotiator and contract manager, because he, he forms a contract with the, uh, the, the, uh, French. Uh, how does he avoid battle? Well, he knew that he couldn't win, so he, he, he rides out towards them, accompanied by a few of his staff officers, and asks to be conducted to the French general under a flag of truce. 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 What's his plan? Well, he tells Klein that he already received news from the King of Prussia that peace had actually already been concluded. Now, uh, the gullible General Klein... Was he, was he lying? Yes, the gullible General Klein, he swallows the bait and Blücher's corps was permitted to pass unmolested. Uh, a false march then took him out of danger for the time being. I, I think that's just wonderful. Uh, I mean, it's relying on, of course, communications. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? That the communications were slow. It, it... Yeah, it's all over. No, I've been told it's finished. Honestly, Gav, it's all finished. Oh, all right, then you can pass right through. I'll thank you very much. That's brilliant. Uh, but uh, they're still retreating. I mean, it, it hasn't changed the battle. Uh, Napoleon enters Berlin on the 27th of October. Um, it, it's been a two-week campaign. What, what cost to the Prussians, would you say? Uh, some 40,000 dead and wounded, 165,000 prisoners and uh, 4,000 cannons. Uh, can he afford that? No, it's a disaster. Now, Blücher had wanted war. Um, he got what he wanted. Uh, had it gone as he wanted, would you say? No, couldn't have been more wrong. Um, it had all been a shambles of poor organisation and overall leadership. Now, the main body of the retreating Prussian armies is defeated and capitulates at the Battle of Pre- Pre- Prenzlau. Uh, that's the 28th of October, 1806. Um, at this point, Blücher's on his own, almost. Um, uh, what's he doing? Well, he he's marching to the north and, and he finds his march towards the northeast blocked. He's being assailed from all sides and, and his men are worn out. Would that a technical term be buggered? Yes, that would be a very 
appropriate technical term. Now, Blücher, his aim is to avoid a battle. He wants to keep an army in being to restrict Napoleon's freedom of manoeuvre. So that Napoleon has to stay honest, if you like. Uh, He can't take risks because there'll be a formed body that could strike his flanks. Yeah, he also wants to allow the Prussian and the Russian forces to sort themselves out. What problems is he facing now? What, What problems? Well, it's the obvious ones. Lack of food. Lack of supplies, lack of ammunition. So he leads the remnant of his force. He can't go northeast, so he goes northwest. And he is reinforced by a division previously commanded by a Grand Duke of Saxe-Weimar. I don't know why I put that. Uh, now, Blücher, at this point, we have somebody important joins him. Uh, as, as a, he has a new chief of staff. Who is this masked man? Well, it's Gerhard von Scharnhorst. We've heard of the Scharnhorst before, haven't we? We have. Now, he reorganised his forces into two small corps, totaling 21,000 men and 44 guns. Doesn't sound like a lot of guns, that. No. Well, they'd lost most of them. And who, so Scharnhorst, uh, he's not just a ship in the First World War. This is the real, the original. Was he a ship? No. <laughs> Although a lot of men sailed under him. Mm. Now, now, what happens next? Well... He forces the good citizens of Lübeck to allow him into the city. Yeah, that's pretty violent. Uh, well, you've got a theme that you sometimes develop about place names, about they seem to fight over the same places again and again. Lübeck is where the second 554 fires finished their story. That's where they, they are, uh, their final action in the Second World War. All the same places, and, and you know, it's it's quite amazing. So what happens? They, they, they force their ways into the city. Well, why do the civilians want them in there? <laughs> I think it's fairly evident from what happens next yeah well very soon afterwards they're assaulted by three french corps under the command respectively of generals bernadotte murat and salt good generals what's this battle uh, called well imaginatively it's called the battle of lubeck uh, and it occurs on the 6th of november Mm. Now, uh, Blücher's forces are running out of ammunition. That doesn't help. And the French storm the city. And then what happens to those civilians who hadn't wanted the uh, Blücher's men in in the first place? Well, the, the French indulge in terrible atrocities against the civilians. Now, Blücher himself, he only just managed to escape while Schoenhorst is taken prisoner. Uh, and actually, Blücher leads a, a failed cavalry ch- charge. That he's trying to rescue his chief of staff. Now, uh, this is a, a terrible defeat, uh, a terrible defeat. Uh, although, what, what does what, what impact does this terrible defeat have? Well, his brave defence against overwhelming odds made Blücher an, a, a national hero in the grim years that follow. Yeah, but there's no no real escape, is there? So what happens next day? Well, next day, with less than ten thousand soldiers left, Blücher's trapped against the Danish frontier by forty thousand French troops at Retikau. And he's forced to surrender. Now, he insists that a postscript be added to the surrender document. And <laughs> you're going to read this postcard. postcard. Postcard? Yeah, he wrote it on a postcard, Gary. There's no need to be critical of me. He says, I capitulate since I have neither bread nor ammunition. Well, indeed. Yeah, that was, uh, well, he had to, that, that's not the only reason he had to surrender, but that's how he sees it. And the French object. And what does he say then? By God, I'll capitulate on no other conditions, whatever. Let what will come of it. Ooh, feisty. 
Feisty. So he's uh, he's allowed to keep his saber. I would not allow to keep his saber. No, he's allowed to keep his saber, and he and he can move about freely, bound only by his word of honour. So parole, but essentially, um, and he's actually rapidly exchanged. Who, who's he exchanged for? I've never heard of him, but apparently it's well. Well, he's a future marshal of France, I think. Claude Victor Perrin, Duke de Belluno. Never heard of him. He was the du- Duke, or he was either the Duke de Belluno or the Duck de Belluno. <laughs> I'm going for Duck. Now, the war dragged on until the treaties of Tilsit uh, were signed by Napoleon I of France in July 1807, after his victory over the Russians at the Battle of Friedland. Now, these treaties, uh, who do you think suffers worst? Well, largely the Prussian king, who'd already agreed to a truce on the 25th of June after the Grand Army had captured Berlin and pursued him to the eastern frontier of Prussia. So what does she lose, Prussia? Well... Half of its pre-war territories uh, are split up amongst others between the the new kingdom of Westphalia, the Duchy of Warsaw and to Russia. And this is what you see again. Prussia's defeated, but he's using that defeat. Napoleon's manoeuvring. So it gives them a bit of pressure to keep them quiet, uh, creates client states. Uh, Is the kingdom of Westphalia and Duchy of Warsaw, they're going to be indebted to Napoleon, aren't they? So uh, Yeah, and this in effect cemented Napoleon's control of Central Europe, but it also forced Russia and Prussia to ally with him against Britain and Sweden, which triggers the Anglo-Russian and Finnish wars. So it's cunning, cunning devil that uh, Napoleon. Uh, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't like to face him, would you? Um, so what happens to Blücher? After the peace is signed, Blücher's appointed to the military government of Pomerania. Now, he's, uh, he's regarded as a natural leader of the pa- Patriot Party. Uh, and during this period of total, or, well, almost total Napoleonic uh, domination, he's continually looking <laughs> for a chance for revenge. I will have revenge. Um, um, what does he want? How does he see a way to get him revenge on the, on the Napoleonic Empire? Well, he'd, he'd high hopes of an alliance with Austria during the War of 1809, but once more he's thwarted. What, 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 what's, what's happened to the... Pre- I mean, Prussia's restricted in... Uh, I mean, uh, lost half a territory. What else has been affected by uh, events? Well, the army's restricted to just 42,000 men, 24,000 infantry, 6,000 cavalry, 6,000 artillerymen and 6,000 guards. That does make 42,000. You're right. Maths with Pete and Gary. Um, So uh, the Germans have a history of being restricted. Uh, After the First World War, they're restricted and there's ways around things. So what what do they do? They're they're really good at evading uh, treaty restrictions. So so, uh, what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to, to, to ensure they've got the ability to raise an army of a roundabout 250,000 men at, at, at time of war. So Blücher has got some ideas. He's got some he? ideas. And, and in August 1807, he, he writes to his former uh, staff officer, Colonel August von Neisenau. He goes well with Gneisenau and Scharnhurst. They go together well, those two, don't they? They do. And this is what Lieutenant General Gerhard Blücher writes. Say hello to my friend Scharnhorst and tell him that I urge him to form a national army. This is not as difficult as one thinks. No one must be excused from the service. No one must be exempt. And it should be a disgrace for those who do not serve for reasons other than physical affliction. After the soldiers had been well trained, they would go home for two years and only return to service in the third year. Thus, the burden on the state will be eased and there will not be a shortage of people. 
It is also a mistake to believe that a trained soldier will forget in two years all that he has learned, and that in eight days he cannot again be combat ready. The French proved this and many other things to us. And and he's right. This is this. The, the, you see, the our armies are modernising. Uh, the European armies are moving to uh, conscription, to reserve systems, all the modern things from the First World War that we we, we do know about. Uh, what does Blucher's own life story sort of demonstrate? Well, that the men could resume military service after a long layoff. Yeah, his was fifteen years, not not a couple of years. Fourteen years. All right, 14 years. Damn, maths. Maths with Pete and Gary. <laughs> Wrong again. <laughs> uh, so uh, now, the, the Scharnhorst and Gneisner, that what they're really famous for amongst uh, is, is that they introduce, uh, as staff officers, they introduce a, a, a series of reforms within the Prussian army. Uh, now, let, let's just uh, go through what these were. Um, so firstly is the one that springs from that. So, so what's that? Recruitment, training and exercising of conscripts recruits to allow rapid reinforcement in times of war so that's what uh, that's what uh, that's what uh, Blucher wanted uh, what else rebuilding the artillery force all of it had been lost in the war now that's an enormous undertaking it is it is uh, what else do you, I mean things that are often forgotten what else do you have to do it's all very well having troops and guns what else do you need well, you've got to establish munitions manufacturing base uh, and, and have dispersed factories. Why dispersed factories, Gary? Well, you don't want them all in the same place for Why? obvious reasons. What is that obvious reason? They could be destroyed. Or taken over, yeah, if you if you lose that area of territory. Um, what else? What else uh, are they planning? Well, to prepare the great Prussian fortresses and entrenched camps with extended defence lines. So in peace, you prepare for war. Yes. Um, what else? How oh, uh, this is nasty. <laughs> or well, not nasty. It's, it's understandable. In, what, what else? Removal of senior officers are judged to have failed in the 1806 campaign. Blucher must have been sweating on that. Well, he must have been borderline, mustn't he? Well, because he'd done so badly with the cavalry. He'd done well in the retreat, though, so I think that's what saved him. Uh, what else? Promotion, which was uh, up to that point often by strict seniority, was expanded to encourage the advancement of men who'd proved themselves. And and in the end, that's men like Blucher, because in the end, during that retreat, although he'd done badly with the cavalry, he'd done well with his corps uh, as a rearguard, hadn't he? Now, by 1812, as a result of these initiatives, instead of the permitted 42,000 men, in just a few months after mobilisation, Prussia could put into the field a trained army of about 150,000 men. Wow. Is everything going well, then? No. Because the French are evil geniuses, or certainly Napoleon is, because what happens then? Well, for Blücher, there's an utter disaster. Prussia was left with little choice but to ally with France in 1812. Is that against against the Russians, I presume, in the 1812 campaign? Well, what can go wrong for Napoleon as he invades Russia? I have no idea. Um, So what happens to Russia's army? Uh, well, Prussia's sorry, army, Prussia's yeah. Sorry. I mean, once Prussia, again, the army Russia, was Russia. to be uh, hobbled and all progress in building up Prussia's military strength was reduced to a standstill. Well, how did Luca react to that? Well, he expressed himself so vigorously on the subject <laughs> of the alliance with France. He did speak his mind, didn't he? Yeah, that he's recalled from his governorship of Pomerania and he's, and he's virtually banished from the court. Well, I reckon that's him finished. I don't reckon we'll ever hear his name again in the annals of history. Well, we'll find out, Pete, in a couple of weeks. Or months, depending on when we get round to it. Cheers, Gary. Cheers, Pete. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook to learn more about each episode. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you have a couple of options. You can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com.pgmh or consider subscribing to the podcast for only £2 per month and get ad-free listening and bonus content. You can find links for both on our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Sounds great, doesn't it?